0: Amen. It is day twenty-one of our fast. It is the end of our seek first series, but it's the beginning, I believe, of the best year you've ever had. I truly believe because we've been seeking first that God is going to do something moving forward that is beyond what any of us can even imagine right now. And I don't know about you, but throughout the service today, uh, in this service and in the earlier one, there's just been a sense of God's presence. That God is not just present, but he's moving, he's with us. He's doing a new thing. And I hope you can sense and feel that and want to be a part of it. Y'all here? Y'all online right now? Hey, we got a chat host for you. As we get into this today, I I do want to tell you about a couple of things that we've seen over the last few weeks that God, God has been doing. And I just want to encourage you to continue to look at it and plug in. One is, in Mark 11, verse 17... Uh, There's actually a moment where Jesus talks about what he names his church. He says this, And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. So this house of prayer for all nations or all people, in the month of January, we've been meeting on Thursday nights and holding an open house style house of prayer, and we've had uh, anywhere from 11 to 24 people uh, that have come through on different evenings. Uh, Our prayer team and myself have felt like God wanted us to keep it going. So we're going to continue to do this on Thursday nights for the foreseeable future. We would love for you to come and be a part of that and to see what God is doing uh, with what we believe is a house of prayer. Amen? Uh, The second thing is, two weeks ago, we showed a message by Robert Morris called The Principle of first. And if you're sitting there and wondering, okay, does our pastor actually live this and believe in this? And and my wife and I and our family and all of that, uh, you'd be in good company because I think that's a fair question. Amen? I think it's okay to wonder that. Uh, In fall of 2020, uh, what I will tell you is we have been so impacted by the idea of Jesus first in everything, especially even our finances. That in fall of 2020, our first tithe check, when our home church shifted from Michigan to Florida, arrived here at Pathway before we even lived in Florida. That's how much we believe in this. We also have been on a journey, like many of you, with what does that look like and mean, and and how do you move towards what God wants, right? So even potentially allowing him to lead you beyond a 10% tithe to giving generously by faith. And that's a journey we've been on as well, uh, and one that at times has been humbling. I wanted to share with you that we have Financial Peace University starting this week. And a few years back, as Cindy and I were growing as first fruits for principle of first givers, we also were dealing with some of the struggles that we understood the content and the idea of a budget, but we were struggling to live by it and to also get out of debt. Anybody? y'all, are you here, right? You took the time to come, okay? Uh, and so, so we actually, I called a pastor friend across town in Michigan, and I said, hey, would it be okay if my wife and I showed up at your Financial Peace University class? Now, I called to honor him, but also, can you imagine how humbling that is? Like, small community, similar to Vero, I was known. If I showed up, people were going to know who I was, and he said, absolutely, come. And I, gotta t- I need to tell you that being in that class, in community with other people, actually led to our breakthrough. And about nine months after taking that class, we were completely dead free. God is really good. So I share that all to say, plug into what the Lord is doing. Because today, as we get into the word, above affects below. Can you say that with me? Above affects effects below. I'm going to pray us in and then we're going to go with a deep dive today. God has a word, I believe, that is going to help all of us realize how alive and practical he wants to be in our daily living. Father, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be together, whether we're online or in person, and to just hear from you And so, God, hide me that you could be heard. May you be the loudest voice. May your word go forth to accomplish the purpose for which you're sending it. And I pray that it would fall on ears and eyes and minds and hearts that are open to you and that say yes and amen to whatever you reveal. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. So this idea of above affects below, um, I'm a guy with a lot of education, and I actually had to look up which effect is it right? Is it effect or effect, right? And and so I'm proud to say it's effect is the verb, it's the action. It's when we look above, it affects what's below. And we need to do this because often we're looking through a broken view, a broken lens. Some of you may remember in science class that that moment uh, where you were taught about refraction. Let me show you a picture here of what happens if you take a spoon and you put it in a glass that is half full with water. There's something called refraction that causes it to look broken even though it's actually not broken. I want to submit to you that most of us are going through life affected by the horizontal view of the world. That actually there's more inputs and voices below that are often affecting how we see things. And that broken view is only changed When we actually look above and understand God's heart, God's view of the world we live in. Let's take a look in Colossians chapter 3, picking up in verse 1. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Now, as we're looking at this, there's this idea, if you're taking notes, above effects below, that we need to raise our gaze because what we focus on will grow. That we need to raise our gaze to see who Jesus is above and what he has. And this is, in so many ways, what Paul is saying here, the writer. He's saying, seek and set. Those are two actions that we're to take as believers, to seek and set our mind, to raise our gaze, to make a decision to look above. And the reason he's saying we need to do that is because Jesus is seated at the right hand. You see, when we seek and set, we need to be reminded who is actually seated. In a day and age when often people are fighting for a seat at the table, fighting for a seat of power, this is exactly what he's getting at is do not lose sight that your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Meaning he has all authority, he has all power, he is all knowing, he is the one that when you don't have the answer and you can't figure it out, he has it and is available. Now as we look at this, oftentimes there are messages that will work on me pretty much every week before I get up here. This one worked overtime on me this week. Because I'm like you. I live in a fallen world that often is trying to drag my gaze down on the things around me. In fact, I believe one of the greatest challenges is these bad boys. Right? It's the reality that we have connectivity to everything here below in ways that sometimes is more than we can actually handle. actually with two of my kids yesterday who will remain nameless because they're in the room and we were talking about my generation and in my generation grew up in a time where it was like okay you're up eat a bowl of cereal see ya go outside when the street light comes on come home for dinner right well what am I going to do for food you'll figure it out what am I going to do for a drink there's a garden hose at every house right anybody Okay, so that was kind of the deal. Well, my kids are telling me, like, how refreshing some of that might be because it was a far simpler time, and I have compassion and empathy for them because I realize that in many ways these are affecting them, but they're also affecting us because when we're connected to other voices, other sources, other views, it's easy to lower our gaze Oftentimes, we need to not just shut off and have boundaries with our phones and social media. Did you know that, that actually your phone, you can turn off all the notifications? That you can silence them? That you can actually push do not disturb? Some of you are like, yeah, I know it because I tried calling you. You didn't answer, <laughs> right? I, I mean, that's, that's part of what we have to do is take control of these things because it's so easy to, to get distracted and have our view come down a bit. There's lots of voices out there right now. Some of us need less CNN and less Fox News. See what I did there? (laughs) Both ends of the spectrum. But at the end of the day, that stuff drags us down below. So we seek and set our minds on what is above and the one who is seated, who actually has something to say below about everything. Jesus, in fact, talked about heaven His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. I can remember as a new believer, fully surrendered at age 19 or 20, uh, realizing as I read this passage actually 20 plus years ago, that I needed to get my mind up above. And I can remember being around others and at a time where there were moments where I realized by having my mind up above, I actually had become no earthly good. Aren't you glad... That the passage doesn't end right here. That actually, what we're gonna read next moves what is above to how it affects what's below. That in fact, to, to get your mind set on above means that it will have an effect below, and that we are to be, as long as Christ gives us here on earth, some good to those around us. You ready? Let's take a look at it. As we move there, uh, Actually, let me, let me read to you one more thing. Uh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter four, verse eight and nine. Because as we think about our minds and where God may be leading us, the language here, this is a paraphrased version of the Bible written by Eugene Peterson. And I love the language here. And I wanna make sure we don't miss this because if you're like, okay, I need to silence my phone, I need to get away from CNN or Fox or social media or whatever's dragging me down, if I need to do this, listen to how Paul says this. He says, "Summon it all up, friends. I say you'll do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling and gracious. The best, not the worst. Be- the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Isn't that awesome? What you focus on, what we feed on, will actually grow. And it grows into what affects the things here on earth. So let's read on, because Paul does not hold back at all, starting in verse 11. He says, "...put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, even evil desire," Renewed, which is an active, daily thing, activity that's available to us. That Jesus wants to renew our minds as we think about what is above. Paul's saying, listen, your mind, your life is meant to be renewed regularly. In the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is what? All. All. And in all. As we look at this, above affects below, and we need what he's getting at is we need to quit settling for less than God's best. That many of us are settling for less than God's best. He's saying, listen, there are some things that are gonna affect you down below, and he digs into them. You probably noticed one of them, as he listed five things, was sex that actually. Down below, we can be dragged away from God and back into lifestyles, sexually, whether it's our thoughts or our actions, that are the old life and pulling us away from God. But he doesn't just leave it there. He goes from that to the next five items, which have to do with our speech. That actually, he's saying both of those are part of the old life. How you view people, how you talk about people, down below he's saying actually matters in the kingdom. And we need to quit as God's people settling for less than is best for us. That these behaviors can often take us away from God's best. As you think about that and and what it may mean for you, it has obviously some some real implications. It, It means that we may realize there's some things as he's saying put off, put away, put to death. He's really kind of using metaphor around clothing. And and it's almost like he's saying, listen, like there was some old lifestyle choices, some old clothing that you had, and you're going to put it off. You're going to put it away. You're going to put it to death because he's got something better for you. And you could see what that might have meant for them, that they had to face some of those things, whether it was their sexual lives or thoughts about it, or even their speech. We live in a day and age where we feel like we have the right to say anything. Everyone has an opinion and everyone wants to air it. Am I completely alone today? It's the truth, right? And yet what he's saying is we got to put off some of these things which might even have to do with the things that we're talking about and sharing about other people. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we've got to bring some of our stuff, our junk, to Jesus. That, that actually, no matter what we've done, where we've been, even what we did this morning or sat in the parking lot on the way in, we can bring it to the foot of the cross. And Jesus is there to take it And what we're willing to bring into the light, what we're willing to reveal, God can begin to heal and give us something new. So a pastor and an author, uh, Francis Frangipane, uh, that says this, he says, do not hide your darkness, expose it. Do not sympathetically make excuses for it, confess it, hate it, renounce it. For as long as darkness remains in darkness, it rules you. But when you bring darkness out into the light, it becomes light. When you take your secret sins and boldly come onto the throne of God's grace and confess them, he cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Church, that is good news. That is the gospel that whatever these things are, put them off, put them away, put them to death and bring them to the Lord and he is ready to forgive, to heal and to give you his best. In addition to that, it goes further, right? Because there's our stuff, but there's also, again, how we view and speak about and treat other people. Verse 11 is a key verse here. Let me read it to you again. It says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. There's a pastor and an author, Ian McNutton, that says this about that verse. He says, Paul preaches that Christ is all and in all. Therefore, let's break this down, church. Racial barriers fall. There is neither Greek nor Jew. Religious barriers fall, circumcised nor uncircumcised. Cultural barriers fall, barbarian and Scythian. And then social barriers fall, or economic barriers we could call them, slave nor free. And he says, this is not legalism, but liberty. Church, that is the gospel, that is good news that is part of what we're putting off is when a world looks at you and I and decides the label they think that we should be wearing. At the foot of the cross, Jesus says, No, no, this is the most level ground. You're all coming to me and sinners in need of a Savior. And it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what the world has labeled you. You are all now, because Christ is all, you are all one. You are unified. You are mine. Church, that is the family of God. That is the new humanity. That is the opportunity that we have in community together, whether we're online or in person, to be his people. And when we begin to understand what his best is, you better believe this will set an example in our church, in our community, in our country, and in our world of what Jesus and his church is meant to be. This will be a bright light. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 and 17, Paul says a little bit more about this idea and what the gospel does. He says this From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Like, let that just sit there for a minute. Because of Jesus, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. It says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is, is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old is passed away, and behold, the new has come. That is the gospel. That is good news. That is freedom. That is liberty. And that is part of what we're to put on as part of his best. In fact, I want you to understand this. I, I love that Paul doesn't leave us here. As we read on, again, above, effects, below. So it begins to change some of our lifestyle, some of our behaviors. And then it literally is like he's saying, listen, you're going to put on a new look. You're going to put on a new new look. You see how, like, this jacket changes the look a little bit of what I was trying to do up here today with my fashion style? Okay. It's a different feel. It's a different look. If I would have brought a sport coat, it would have looked even, In fact, i got to tell you this story. I didn't tell this in first service. Um, as a young pastor in Michigan about 15 years ago, 16 years ago, we were starting a church and a nonprofit. And so I'd have days where I'm the church planner guy, and I'd have days where I'm in a boardroom with business people as we started social enterprises. And so I realized pretty quickly that if I had jeans and a t-shirt on, I could fit in in this circle... And if I went to this circle, all I needed was a sport coat. And it was confusing to people, right? It was like, you know, business, but also he's relaxed. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Um, and so there is something about your, your wardrobe that actually changes the look and feel, right? And, and here's what Paul does next, is he doesn't just say, put off, put away. He's gonna tell us some things that because you're Jesus's, this is what you're putting on. This is the new look for you and who you're supposed to be. And it's really practical. Let's take a look. Picking up in verse 12. It says, Put on then God's, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Woo! Doesn't that sound different than that first list? The old stuff? He says, Bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, say above all, right? We're talking about above effects below. And he says, above all, put these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever, say that with me, whatever. Okay, yeah, right? Like, how many times do we have that moment where we're like, whatever, right? Like, we know how to say whatever, right? What he's getting at here is a a shift in perspective. He says, in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Oh, church, above, affects below. And if you're taking notes, God's best impacts our every step. God's best impacts our every step. He has something to say about how we live and whatever we do. And it's a gift. It's an opportunity. And, and we look at putting on these, these new, this new look, these new clothes, if you will. And he, and he gives us three basic things here. The first is that in understanding what we're putting on, he's giving us, first and foremost in here, a new nature. This nature, is, he's talking about in verse 12 and 13, is humble and holy. And these two often... Aren't necessarily found in religious people or church people. Woo! It's crazy how we can forget where we came from. It's crazy how we can start to think that our good behavior, our good actions, are somehow our achievement. You see, to be humble is to realize that no, we need God. And that, in fact, to seek what's above means I trust that he has a better plan than I have, that his thoughts and ways aren't mine, and that he's going to speak into any and every situation I come to him with. And that's available to each of us every day if we're humble. One of the things that often gets in the way, though, is our view. We often think that maybe we know better, or maybe we want God to bless our plan, right? Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, I think, is an incredibly timely verse for this generation. Here's what it says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. When everyone has a voice and an opinion and feels like they are entitled to share it, a verse like this reminds us, That we're to be humble enough to say, God, what is your plan? What's your agenda? What would you have for me? And when we're humble, God begins to move. Francis Chan, a pastor and author, says this about this idea. He says, in many ways, we have lost a sense of the true holiness of God. And that has caused pride to grow and fester in the church. Everyone seems to start out with the assumption that his or her opinion of God is right. Rather than recognizing that all of us have an incomplete, flawed knowledge of God. Without humility, we will never have unity. More importantly, without humility, we cannot be in a right relationship with God. Wow. He's saying that we need to put on a new nature. To be humble and holy. To be able to learn from one another. Secondly, he's going to remind us that not only are we putting on a new nature, but he's going to give us new abilities. And he actually talks in here about forgiving and loving one another freely forgiving and freely loving. We pick up again in verse uh, 13 bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love. You see, we may not have the ability to forgive. We may not have the ability to love. But above affects below. So when we look to the cross and we look to what Jesus has done for us and how he's forgiven us and how he loves us, that gives us the ability to do that for others. Can I get an amen? amen? When we begin to figure that out, things begin to change a story I came across a few years ago of a woman in South Africa. This woman had been a victim, literally, of not just apartheid, but the violence that came with it. Her family, which consisted just of her husband and her son, had actually been brutally murdered at the hands of a soldier uh, whose last name was Vanderbilt. This soldier had not just brutally murdered her husband and her son, but had then proceeded to burn the bodies while he and the other soldiers celebrated and partied just off at a little distance. Now, if you have a reason down below to be bitter and angry and filled with hatred, that might be it. Can we agree on that? And yet, later, when he, this soldier, Vanderbilt, was brought to trial, something, I mean, that to this day we're talking about happened. This woman showed up to the trial and they asked her, what would you like to see happen to this man? What would justice look like for you? And here was her response. I'm quoting her. I want three things, the woman said confidently. One, I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. My husband and son were my only family. I want secondly, she said, for Mr. Vanderbook to become my son. I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have. And finally, number three, I would like Mr. Vanderbook to know that I offer him my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died to forgive This was also the wish of my husband, and so I would kindly ask someone to come to my side. She did this in the courtroom, and lead me across the courtroom so that I can take Mr. Vanderbilt in my arms, embrace him, and let him know that he is truly forgiven. That is a new ability. That is above, affecting, below. That is a love and a forgiveness that only could flow from Jesus and the cross. And that's available to you and I. And it leads into the last part. Not only does he give us a new nature and a new ability, but he actually, God's best that we're putting on, is he actually gives us a new mission. And this new mission is in verse 17, where he says, whatever you do, whatever you do, you're doing it for him. This means on this new mission, that when you leave here, and you go to a house and to a neighborhood, you go to work, you go to school, you go to the gym, you go to the auto repair place, you go to Sam's Club and get cut off in the parking lot and forget to put your cart away. Anybody? Publix then, maybe it wasn't Sam's Club for you. When you do these things, he's saying whatever you do, you have a chance to live on mission and to make a difference in the world because you've put away your old nature and you've put on something new. That gives everyday meaning. That gives everyday purpose. That gives you a reason to wake up and go to that job you don't want to go to. That gives you a reason to wake up if you're retired and go, that's right, I'm breathing. It's not just about chilling. God has a purpose for me. Anybody? Do I need to translate chilling? I don't know. Relaxing? Okay. He has a whatever mission for us. And this is something that he invites us into. About a year ago, I invited our church into what this might look like. Practically, on your seats here, you have a card. If you'll just look at this very quickly. If you're online with us, they're dropping this, a link for you. This is practically what it might mean to put on a new nature, a new ability, and a new mission. On the front of the card, you have... These houses, this is your neighborhood. You live in an apartment, a condo, or a home somewhere, likely. And around you are neighbors. And so the lowest common bar we could get to was do you even know your neighbor's names? And so the challenge is to say, whatever you do, start with learning the names of your neighbors. And then begin praying for those neighbors. And then on the back of the card, if you'll flip it over, here are five very practical things that if you'll just do one of these every day for the people around you, both in your neighborhood or your work or wherever you are, I believe you will be living on mission and you will see a breakthrough in this coming year. You see, God has more for all of us and above is to affect below. Next step questions to close, and I love asking these because otherwise, truthfully, we've wasted our time today. If you walk out and all you got was some information, that isn't deep. Let me be clear. The deep things of God are when we obey the Lord, when we actually hear and become doers of the word, when we actually apply what we're learning. So the three questions, first, are you raising your gaze in this season to seek Jesus first and foremost? Maybe like me in this last week, that's where you have to get. I'm telling you, it was hard for me last week to not get dragged down, to get caught in the things around me. I had to work hard to keep pulling and pushing my eyes where they needed to be. Maybe that's where God needs you to start today. Secondly, what do you need to put off or put to death to quit settling for less than God's best? Maybe there's a lifestyle choice. Maybe it's something speech-wise you've been saying and God's saying, no, put that off. I have something better for you. And lastly, will you put on God's best for you and begin living on mission? Will you actually do whatever for him and allow him to use you to impact the people around you? Church, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to go into a time today of singing and responding to the Lord. The band's going to lead us in a song about trusting and obeying Jesus, and that's my deepest desire and hope, is that you've sensed God's presence today, and God's saying, hey, here's your next step. Here's what it looks like to trust me, because above is ready to affect below if we say yes. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whether you're online or in person, you need to start there today. All of this starts with receiving Jesus who died and rose again and offers us forgiveness and new life. Our chat host is ready to talk with you if that's you online, here in person. We're gonna stand and sing in a minute, but you are welcome to come forward to be prayed with, prayed for. We're here. Let's respond now to what the Lord is doing. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that above does affect below. Who are we that the God of the universe cares and sees each and every one of us right now? We thank you, Lord, that you see us, you love us, and you offer us your best. Father, I pray that we would raise our eyes, our gaze to you right now, and that we would, Trust you, Jesus, and follow you. Holy Spirit, come, be present in this moment. May you find a people that are saying yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship him.
1: Oh, for grace to trust in more.
0: Amen. amen. He is so good, isn't he? And God has so much more for each of us. As we put on his best, as we allow above to affect below, there are great plans that he has. And I do believe this is going to be an incredible year as we follow and say yes to him. If you're a visitor, in a few moments when we close, we would love for you to come out to our Welcome Center, we've got a gift. We'd love to welcome you and and connect with you. In our cafe, for all of our women, the women's ministry is set up. They have a table. They'd love to connect with you about women's ministry and about suiting up and the Armor of God study. You can also find Tony from The Source out there. He's got a table and information if you want to connect with their ministry. It's awesome what God is doing at The Source, isn't it? So cool, and I would encourage you to do that. Right now, we have a moment as a church family uh, of ascending is what it is. Not only are you going to be sent to go and be the church and to love all people in your pathway, but we're going to be reminded that we're a church that has a vision for the next generation, that we believe in pathway kids and pathway youth, that God is doing something, that last week we were led by an intern, Ava, here on the stage leading us in worship and April in the booth as our intern over tech and God is moving in that space. We also have have had over the last few months, Carson and Madeline Hale with us and they've been residents that many of you have been touched by and impacted with their ministry. And one of the things that happens with residents is often there comes a moment where they get a better job offer. We can laugh at that church, like that's the goal, right? is we're raising up leaders that either if we have something for them, great, but if we don't, then God is going to call them elsewhere. And we are going to celebrate and send those leaders. And today we get our first chance with Carson, Carson and Madeline. They're heading back to Georgia, where they're originally from. They both have full-time job offers in the same church to do youth and kids. How cool is that? Did I get that right? And so I'm going to ask that they come out here on the the stairs And if you know them or have been touched by their ministry here over the last few months I'm going to just ask if you're here in person come forward let's surround them Pastor Nate's going to come out and join and he's going to pray over them And so I want to encourage you to, to come up here We're just going to surround them you know just by a show of standing with them and loving on them and letting them know that our church family has appreciated who they are, and as hard as is. Of course we want everyone to stay forever, right? But in the kingdom, there's seasons, and we want to be really good as a church of honoring those seasons and celebrating. Amen. When we're done praying, you're free to go and be the church. and uh, if you need prayer, or want to talk to anybody, we'll stay up here and available. But right now, Pastor Native you would take this moment and let's pray over them.
2: Dearly Father, Lord, we're grateful for the people you send and put in our lives. And we're grateful for Carson and Madeline. You sent them here. And now, Lord, even as they were an answer to our prayer, now they are going to be an answer to the prayer of this church and this community. And even as a father, to see my son even up here praying over them. In a short time, they were an answer to prayer for our own family. And now, Lord, we know that there's parents in this community they're going to that have prayed for this, and they're going to be an answer to them. And we're grateful. Lord, we ask you to be with Carson and Madeline. Lord, we pray for their marriage. We pray, Lord, that you give them wisdom and discernment as, Lord, they're gonna be pulled from different directions as they both will be taking these full-time ministry uh, opportunities. And, Lord, you're entrusting them of this ministry. Lord, ministry's not easy. It's hard. It can be tough. But, Lord, may they look to you in all things. Lord, may they know that they have a community of people that love them here in Vero Beach at Pathway Church. Lord, we're grateful for this church and that it believes in the next generation. Because, Lord, if we don't lift up the next generation and youth pastors and kids pastors and and worship pastors, then, Lord, who are our kids or our grandkids have to be leading them? So, Lord, continue to use us as a church and send us the next people, Lord. You know who it's going to be to be able to raise up those leaders. So, Lord, be with Carson and Madeline and continue to just guide and direct them. And we're grateful for our time. And, Lord, we send them off now in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, we ask you you be with them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right,
0: church, go love God and love all people in your pathway. Go now, be the church.